It was a 51-0 thrashing for Boston College as they took care of business against Colgate. What went right? What went wrong? We're going to talk about that all on today's episode of Locked On Boston College. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Boston College. I am your host, AJ Black. Thank you all for listening. On today's show, we're going to break down the Colgate game. Boston College took care of business at Alumni Stadium on Saturday. We'll get into all the nitty-gritty with Mitch Wolf later on in the show. But let's get into what actually happened in the game. So on Saturday, Boston College had their first home game with fans since 2019. This was the first home game Jeff Halfley has ever coached, and the first time Phil Dracovic, the quarterback, has ever played in front of a hometown crowd in Chestnut Hill. It was a big game, and so Boston College starts off the game with students rushing the field. I think it was freshmen from the class of 2020, I believe, but I'm not 100% sure, but that was kind of a cool moment, but the student section was crazy during this game. Just going to give a shout out to the students if you're listening. Um, Boston College starts off strong. They go they go right down the field, score on their first drive on a uh, three-yard touchdown run by Travis Levy. Then things kind of slow down for BC. They really don't get things going. They're punting a lot. There, there's some drops that go on, um, and they just can't get the ball moving. And, but luckily, the defense, the defense really kicked it up for Boston College to, to start it off. I mean, obviously, they pitched a shutout. Uh, they ended up, uh, you know, get, you know keeping, keep, kept on flipping the field. Uh, throughout the game. And Boston College finally kicks it off in the second half. I mean, second quarter. They have a touchdown pass to Trey Berry, which is the play of the game. If you have not seen it yet, you need to go and look that up. Trey Berry, they throw a nice little seam route to him. And he looks like, I mean, he if Jakovic said it after the game, it looked like he was going to get tackled at the 15. He sheds one tackle and then leaps over a second defender uh, to score that touchdown. It was a crazy um, catch and if you have not heard it already, you need to go and check. First of all, you need to watch Barry's catch, but go on to YouTube and see um, Zay Flowers' reaction. He talks about it in his press conference. It's hilarious. You need to hear what he says. Uh, so they score there. Then it's Flowers' turn. Flowers was unstoppable. He has a 39-yard catch uh, from Jakovic, and then Jaden Williams. Jaden Williams played on. Uh, Saturday, more than I expected he would have. Uh, He scores a touchdown as well. He had four targets on the game for two catches in that touchdown. Now, why was Jaden Williams playing? Because Jalen Gill, who many people, myself included, had high expectations going into, he was out with a, believe, a foot injury. So he was out as well. Now, the uh, the defense, they just did what they had to do. Now, to all the credit to Colgate, Colgate played a very clean game. They didn't make a ton of mistakes. But they couldn't do much. You know, like they basically tried to move the ball down the field, but they didn't have a vertical passing game. Uh, and their front line was getting killed by BC's defensive line. So they really couldn't get much much going there. Uh, but they kept it going and they kept it close. So it was 27 nothing at halftime. Second half, it was, it was like the tail of quarter. So like the first and third quarter were kind of like, eh. You know, BC kind of just 
going through the motions. Uh, there was, you know, another missed opportunity in the red zone. Danny Long had to kick a field goal. And then the second, I mean, by the end of the third quarter to the fourth quarter, BC turned it on. So Djokovic stayed in for most of that game. I mean, Grossell ended up only playing half of a quarter, I believe. And, you, you know, the freshmen and, and other players that they wanted to get in did really get a whole lot of chance to get in. Now, but, I mean, you look at the scoreboard, you see 51 nothing. you're thinking, okay, Boston College probably had the chance to get Djokovic out of there. You know, he played for most of the game. He threw for three touchdowns, over 250 yards in passing. Uh, Zay Flowers had 150 yards total. So you, you saw a lot of what you wanted to see. And we're going to talk with Mitch about the offense and the defense in a little bit. But some other game notes that you probably want to make sure that you're aware of. So as I said, um, Jalen Gill was out. He was he missed the game. The other one that missed the game was Marcus Valdez, defensive end, one of the starters at defensive end. So Brandon Barlow got the start. And we'll talk a little bit about how the defensive ends played in a little bit. But Valdez has a hand injury. Hopefully that won't be too severe because he's a guy that you want out there. Uh, but that also meant that Barlow played. You saw a lot of Donovan Azaraku out there. We'll talk a little bit about him with Wolf, uh, Mitchell Wolf in a bit. Uh, so he missed the game. The other one, and this is breaking news as I'm recording this, was Aaron Bumeri was out. And I didn't want to report on it yesterday because I saw him on the sidelines in his street clothes. I was like, hmm. I know Halfley had said earlier this week that they were still talking about who was going to start. And you'll have to wait. Uh, well, ha- Aaron Bumeri is having hip surgery. Or no, he has a hip injury. I don't want to say he's having hip surgery. He's had, he has a hip injury, and that's going to cause him to be out indefinitely. What that means, not sure. Just so for some context, Bumeri missed all of the 2018 season at Temple with a hip injury. He had surgery on his hip in 2018. So hopefully this won't be that bad, but uh, be prepared. That you know, Bumeri was a good kicker for Boston College last year. He kicked 80% of his field goals. He was consistent. He won that Texas State game for BC. He did a lot. So Danny Longman was kicking for BC yesterday. Um, you know, I think Bumeri's probably a little bit more of a consistent kicker, but uh, we'll have to see what Longman does. I know Halfley talks strongly about him. He talks strongly about a lot of guys, but that's what he said. And then um, we saw a little bit of Connor Lighton. Lighten, I think is how you say his last name. I, I, they were saying it in the press box yesterday, but I, I totally whiffed on that. Uh, Lighten is the, a true freshman kicker. Um, you know, I, there's a lot of talk about him. He's a five star in terms of um, kicker recruits who have a different ranking system than regular recruits. So he could be someone if Longman can't do it. Maybe we see Connor Lighton at some point. But losing Boom Boomeri is a big loss. You'll hear Halfley when you hear listen to him talk. If you ever listen to his press conference, he refers to him as Boom. So when <laughs> I, I in vernacular, I sometimes call him that. But um, so Boomeri is gone. I'm not sure when he will be. Re- returning. And you know what? In the end, it was just a great afternoon. The weather was beautiful. The student fa- uh, section was crazy. I mean, the, the the kids singing along to Mr. Brightside, it was like the first time in a long time that felt really normal at Boston College, I'm sure. Like they sounded so into it and it was a really cool moment uh, to see them get to do it because it's been, you know, for some of the freshmen, they haven't had a chance to do it, obviously, and the sophomores haven't had a chance to do it. And that's become a tradition with Boston College fans. So they were, you know, to their credit, they were crazy. And Jeff Halfley and Tim Lokobu, I know, both tweeted about it later saying that they were really excited about how enthused the fans were uh, on campus it looked great the you know the, the tailgates were going um, I heard that the vaccine lines were a little bad I got in really early so I didn't have to deal with that and I went through the press line um, but I heard some people saying that it was a little slow but they had the tents everywhere I saw them uh, so maybe just you know for the next for the future make sure you get there on time for that um, but it was a great experience on campus you know Boston College football is back 
the team, the the players, and the and the student section, and the and the fans, they're all back. And I, you know, with an attendance of around twenty nine thousand, I was way off. Uh, <laughs> uh, you get to see you get to see Boston College take care of business. And now next week it's going to be moving on to Amherst, but we still have. Two more days of talking about Colgate, and I promise you I will make it interesting. In a moment, we're going to talk to Mitch Wolf about what he thought about the game, and we're going to look at the offense first. But before we do that, the NFL season is about to begin, and nobody covers it like the Locked On Podcast Network. August 30th through September 8th, Locked On's Ultimate Season Review is taking you through every team in every division with the help of Odyssey's Ross Tucker and Jason LaConifora. Follow the Ultimate Season Preview 2021 feed on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts beginning on August 30th. Did you know that 85% of people who play daily fantasy sports lose? Is that really that surprising? The game is rigged against you. You're playing against thousands of other lineups, not to mention experts who have more tools and more time. You don't stand a chance. Let's introduce you to Stat Heroes, the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works. Stat Heroes shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head-to-head fantasy matchup. You name your stakes, winner takes all. You have the advantage. Stat Hero is showing their lineup ahead of time. No one else does that. And, you know, you got to check it out. It's, it, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I, I, I used to like trying some of the other daily sports, and you always felt like you were losing. You don't want to stat hero. It's, it's, it's good. you got to check it out. You are in control. It's the daily fantasy sports the way it was meant to be one-on-one. Play Stat Hero now and change the odds. Go to stathero.com slash locked on and sign up for free. And right now you can get three times back on your first play. They're giving you a 300% match. That's unheard of. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. Again, that's stathero.com slash locked on. This is Locked On Boston College. AJ Black here. We're talking about Saturday's win over Colgate, a 51 nothing. Uh, pretty convincing win for Boston College. And with me, I have Mitchell Wolf, our staff writer at BC Bulletin and occasional guest here on Locked On Boston College. He's going to talk to us about the offense and defense. Now, when you win 51 nothing, you don't really think of there's a lot of bad things that could have happened, but there's definitely room for improvement when we'll get into that. Mitch, how you doing? I'm doing great. You know, we're fans of the team that's number one in the ACC right now. So really not much to complain about, like you said, but we'll find something. All right. So let's, let's kick it off with the offense. Um, you know the the star the two the two big stars of yesterday's game were the two stars that we probably expected heading into yesterday's game Zay Flowers and Phil Dracovic. What did you especially the quarterback? I think you know when we went into the season, the talk had been about Phil Dracovic and and his progression and as a one of the elite quarterbacks in the country. Did you think he continued that ascension on Saturday, Mitch? to a point. So I think that he, obviously he executed the offense very well. Um, you know, he's hitting receivers deep pretty accurately. You know, there was obviously the nice over route to Trey Barry that he took for a touchdown, really nice deep ball to Zay in the end zone. He had that beautiful throw to the sideline to Zay that where Zay tapped his toes. That was great. Um, but the thing that I really liked to see was Phil did a great job of like surveying the defense, waiting for his receivers to come open and finding them and throwing them accurate balls. My question is, is that the offensive line played excellently yesterday. And I think part of the reason is because they were obviously playing a very inferior opponent. And we saw a lot of BC's passing offense rely on long developing route concepts where Phil had to sit in the pocket and wait for people to come open. Is BC's offensive line going to be able to hold up like that against ACC opponents like Clemson, NC State, Virginia Tech? You know, are they going to be able to have him sit in the pocket for like five to six seconds every down? I'm not sure. And we didn't see a lot of Phil throwing, you know, quick short routes and having to make those, those quick decisions. So that's something that to keep an eye on moving forward. 
And I think that's interesting you brought that up. So as I mentioned in the first segment, I was at the game and I went to the press conference after and Djokovic actually talked about that. He said, you know, that the defense can, I mean, the offense can be tricky because there's so many formations uh, for the wide receivers that they Mm -hmm. basically, as I said on Twitter, they vanilla this down a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, So Djokovic talked about that there was a good chunk of the playbook they they just didn't use. So I'm wondering, as you said, if maybe some of that quick stuff was – you know, they, they probably assumed that they're playing Colgate, that this offensive line can hold on. Why not just work on the deep stuff? You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. And, you know, even watching this game, I could see a lot of the same passing concept they used the last few years. Um, and I talked about this in my film study with Mark Schofield that I that we posted uh, last week. Um, a lot of, like, they like that Yankee deep shot where you have one receiver run a deep post, the other one runs an over. And we saw Zay and Trey Berry score on both those routes. Um, but in a lot of the boot slide action, they like to do condensed formations. The one new thing they added was that little uh, rocket tap pass where you motion the receiver across and you just kind of volleyball set the ball to him quickly. Um, that was new. And so that was kind of surprising to see them introduce that concept. But that play worked pretty consistently with Zay and true freshman Jaden Williams. So, you know, we're talking about the passing game. You saw Trey Barry for the first time, and he had that incredible catch. And as he said, and, you know, he said, you know, he didn't think he was going to get in. And Dracovic said he thought he was going to get tackled at the 15. You know, what did, that was an incredible play. What was your thoughts on Barry? I know he only got targeted three or four times, but what did you see out of him? Yeah, I mean, he's pretty much as advertised. You know, they – as a receiver, you know, he got you everything you wanted. Like you said, not targeted a ton, but, you know, he was able to turn those targets into big plays. You know, I think he had at least one other catch, if I remember correctly. Nope, just the one. So one catch, 51 yards, and a touchdown. So, you know, it's hard to argue with that. Um, but, you know, I think there were some issues with him blocking, which, you know, is to be expected. That's not really what he's going to be asked to do. Uh, but, you know, I think that he's going to be a really exciting part of this offense that's going to open up the middle of the field. And we saw Joey Lucchetti as well. I want to make sure he's he's mentioned. He had a good game. I, I, you know, from your perspective, I didn't get, you know, from the press box, it was hard to see what he was doing. Was he more of a blocking tight end or receiving tight end? That was the interesting thing. They actually used him and Barry as interchangeably in terms of the tight end roles. Like sometimes Barry would be the inline tight end. Sometimes Lucchetti would be the move tight end. And they would kind of cycle between those. So that was interesting to see. Like one time I remember seeing them, Lucchetti lined up out wide as a wide receiver and they motioned him back in and he was lined up next to the offensive line, but off the line of scrimmage. So both of them were doing a lot of different types of stuff, which was interesting to see. Okay, so the positives. Now let's talk about the biggest concern. And, and a lot of people brought it up. Uh, was the run game. Now the run game averaged, uh, they ended up doing okay in the end. And that was probably due to a, you know, a few big runs. I think Jacobic had a 43 yard run, but you know, you go into halftime and I think I posted on this on the site, I think they ran the ball like 16 times for 50 yards against a team like Colgate. And you're like, Oh, that's a little bit worrisome. That sounds a lot like last year. Uh, When I talked to Jeff Hathley after the game, he said he wasn't worried about the running game. He said that he, you know, at the end, he got the stats that he wanted and he didn't see the concerns or he didn't have to, he didn't have to talk to them about anything. It seemed like everything was working as well as he thought they would. Mitch, what was your thought about the rushing attack? Yeah, I have still a little bit of concerns because like we've kind of said against Colgate, you want to see the offensive line just completely dominate. You know, like I wrote about the Colgate defensive line was pretty undersized. So you want to see guys like Zion Johnson and Ben Petrula really just be burying them consistently. And that's just not something they were doing. Um, So that is still a little concerning to me. 
Um, I th- they did. We talked about like cycling in and out the running backs a lot to just make sure nobody gets hurt. I wonder if that might have played a role in that none of them were able to really get a rhythm going for how they felt in the game. Like I remember seeing, I think, Sinkfield and even Levy, like after they had a few carries, they're like starting to kind of break it open, but then they would switch to a different running back. So that might have just been a getting into the rhythm of the game thing for the running back specifically. But they each had a few nice plays, you know, one or two ones that weren't great. But, you know, I think – there's, you know, it's something to keep an eye on, but it's not something I'm, you know, absolutely terrified about at this point. So in a moment, we're going to talk with Mitch about the defensive end. I mean, I could talk about BC in this game forever, but we, we have to keep this podcast under 30 minutes. So we have to kind of talk about the defense in a moment. But before we do that, let's chat a little bit about Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like candy bar. Comes in nine delicious flavors, are 100% covered in chocolate. And they have delicious ones right now, like coconut, coconut almond peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. They have something for everyone. And if you haven't tried a Built Bar, they have a combo pack that gives you two of each so you can find your favorite one. Most flavors uh, have about 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and four net carbs. How are you gonna beat that? Now, if you order today, you will get 15% off when you use Lock15 as you head over to BuiltBar.com. Again, head on over to BuiltBar.com and use Lock15 for 15% off. It's a deal you know you do not want to miss. And it's almost it's football season, and all our eyes are turning to the gridiron as football teams kick off across America. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half million dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest two hundred thousand dollar NFL survivor contest open now at Bet Online. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus when you use promo code Locked On. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, from football to basketball, boxing right up to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. This is AJ Black. I am here with Mitch Wolf, who is my staff writer at BC Bulletin, and he is here talking us to us about uh, Saturday's game. And we're, we, you know, in the first segment, we talked about the game itself. So if you haven't heard that, make sure you check that out. Then in the second segment, we talked about the offense. Now we're going to talk about the defense. And for a game where Boston College let up zero points, the first time that they have shut out a team since 2009 uh, in an opener when they did that against Northeastern, RIP Huskies football, um, this was a big game for BC's defense, but people still were worried about it. Mitch, what were your thoughts on the defense? Yeah, I'm not super worried about it. Again, you know, anytime you shut out an opponent, it's, you know, you're going to be happy with it. And you might try to like find some things that, you know, maybe to improve on the next game. I would say that generally it was pretty good. You know, there were occasional times where Colgate was able to find, you know, holes in the defense and, you know, get it for some yards, but I don't think they converted a single third down the whole time. They obviously didn't score. Um, And, you know, the thing that I was keeping track of for most of the game was how well are they defending Grant Brenneman, who's a pretty good mobile quarterback. And, you know, he was able to get some yards on early downs. Uh, they ran a lot of QB draw, QB power, that kind of stuff. A lot of read options, jet sweeps and stuff like that. Um, but when he was asked to throw and, you know, sit in the pocket and deliver throws, especially on third down, he couldn't deliver. And anytime that he was really testing BC's defense beyond maybe 15 yards, it was an incompletion that was very close to being intercepted or actually intercepted. Now, 
the big news going into the game was the injury report. We talked a little bit about that before. Marcus Valdez missed the game with a hand injury, and he was replaced by Brandon Barlow. But to me, I was really impressed with Sheeta Salah, which mm-hmm. I, have, I realized when I got to press, the press conference, I have been mispronouncing his name over and over again. And I should have read the, the darn pronunciation guy. It's Sheeta Salah. Had an incredible game. I think he had over 10 tackles. He had a sack. He just looked really impressive up front. Mitch, I know you tweeted about it. What did you see out of Salah? Yeah, this was the game that we wanted to see from him. And again, you know, with a guy who has great size like him and athleticism like him, you know, you're kind of just waiting for that to happen. And he should be dominating a team like this. But he did exactly that. Like you said, he had a bunch of tackles. He had a bunch of pressures. He had several tackles for loss and I think at least one sack. And he was flying all over the backfield, especially or flying all over the backfield. Um, So that's something that you finally have to see. And the other thing about that is, and this is something that Mark Herzlick brought up that I thought was very poignant, was that the entire defensive line was playing very smart in that they were prepared to both stop the run and rush the passer on any given down. They were playing very smart, which against a team that is going to be running a lot of these, you know, fake plays where they have quarterbacks threatening to throw or run, they're playing that really well. So that's something that you know, Herzlick brought up and obviously he's got the experience. So that's something that I noticed as well. And I thought was a very interesting point to be brought up. That's what's up that that's what I noticed was against an offense like that. There, there was a stunning lack of explosives for, for Colgate. And I, you know, you, you expect against an FCS squad to, to dominate, but even with that, like with an offense, like the way Colgate plays, you expected them to slip in something and they did BC played very disciplined um, in that game. And part of that was, I think, as we kind of mentioned with Salah, was that they, they really dominated up front. And one of the – there were I, I was really impressed with their defensive tackles. And they, as you just mentioned, they should be dominating. But I thought Cam Horsley and Isaiah Henderson had great games. Can you talk a little bit about both of them? Yeah, I mean, Horsley, I think he popped on the first play. Like, he forced a tackle for a loss where he just shed the guard right in the face of the running back and took him down. Horsley was making a ton of plays. Henderson had a really nice game, you know, maybe not showing up on the stat sheet as much, but if you're watching the tape, you could tell he's doing a really good job holding his gap. The other thing that I thought was interesting was a lot of times, especially on third down, they would reduce Brandon Barlow inside, and he was playing, like, over the nose, over the center as a nose tackle. So, you know, he's obviously one of the quote bigger defensive ends on this line, but so they're doing some funky stuff, especially on passing downs where they're moving guys around, bringing funky blitzes, which I think they're, we're going to see that a lot uh, going forward this year. And Mitch and I were talking, I'm texting him from the, from the press box and I'm watching and Donovan Azaraku comes out mm-hmm. and I watched him and I'm going, you know, I saw Brandon Barlow out there. I saw Salah big guys. And I'm like, Azaraku looks like a safety. He's so much smaller than them. But I wonder if that is the future of the Boston College defensive end, because I know Nito Ekpala is not much bigger. And I'm wondering if BC is going more with the quicker defensive ends, more of the smaller undersized guys that can do some things for them. Uh, But I thought Azaraku had, you know, a lot of fans are really clamoring for speed on the defense. He looks like he has it. I, I was really impressed with how quick he was. What were your thoughts on him? Yeah, I made a note of him too. You know, he looked absolutely explosive. And like you said, like he looks like a safety and he's moving as quickly as one. And he looks like built too. Like he, they showed a close of him once. And he looks very built and muscular, which is great for a 
true freshman. I think I'm not sure about the longevity of this as a as a full time strategy because you know undersized defensive ends you can win with that against Colgate against ACC opponents. I'm not sure. I'm wondering if Ezraku's future is at a linebacker role, kind of like Isaiah McDuffie, where he can play on ball and off ball. So we'll have to see how that looks moving forward. But definitely against Colgate, like he was a, spe- a very special player. I do want to bring up one player that I thought struggled and maybe a problem moving forward. I'm not sure how much longer Vinny De Palma has as the starter at one of the linebacker spots. Oh, really? What did you see that worried you about his place? Well, so I think the biggest issue is that they were using him in a role where basically he was playing outside of the box. He was playing in the overhang in the slot area. And I'm just concerned about his, because there were multiple times where he was getting out-athleted by Colgate players. And then, you know, the one play where they had the bust in coverage where he got picked off and they ran that wheel route around him. That's not really his fault, but still like I saw a few times where he was getting exposed in space against Colgate. And I think that's going to be a problem moving forward. If they want to make sure he's staying in the box where he doesn't have to be as much as great of an athlete, that's fine. But you know, we saw IGM have a really great game at middle linebacker. So I'm wondering if they're going to kind of maybe start moving those guys around because IGM might have a little more athleticism than De Palma. Right. And if you're listening and you didn't watch the game, Cam Arnold had to miss the first half of the game. Yes, that's true because of a great rule in the NCAA where he had a targeting <laughs> rule last year and had to miss the first half of this game, which makes absolutely no sense to me, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so he didn't come in until the second half. So I, I'm assuming based off of the depth chart that Arnold will probably be the starter. And then you mm-hmm. won't see as much as De, of De Palma and Sparacio as we saw on Saturday, but we'll see. Uh, now let's look at the sec. Our last talk will be about the secondary, Mitch. Um, Tons of guys cycled in and out. You saw everybody, Mike Palmer, John and Muse, that both had interceptions. You saw uh, Jaden Lar- Jaden Woodby in there. You saw uh, Sean Asbury and Clinton Burton Jr. You saw them all out there. What was your thoughts about the secondary? Yeah, I mean, like you said, you know, we, it was, was kind of hard to get really a great read on anybody because at any given drive, it was a whole, almost a whole different group of people. You know, I really wish we had gotten to see more of Jaden Lars Woodbay, but he actually only played 19 snaps, which was the lowest among the starters. So they must have gotten him out pretty quickly. Um, but you know, a lot of the other guys made plays. You know, obviously, Jamin Muse had that, you know, great pick six off a tip and Mike Palmer got an interception off a tip. Um, so they were looking good on the very back end. You know, we saw guys like Sean Asbury make a bunch of plays. Uh, he had at least one pass defense. Um, so it's hard to see, hard to tell, you know, which guys were really the best. Cause again, it's an inferior opponent, but you know, it's encouraging to see that the coaching staff is comfortable using so many players. And we even saw Jason Matry, you know, I think he's going to be a very good safety. You know, they moved, they even still allowed him to play in the slot a good bit where they would rotate him down. And he had that great blow up of uh, the swing past the running back where he absolutely walloped him in the backfield. Yeah, I, 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 overall, how would you grade the defensive play? Oh, I mean, it's really hard to give them anything other than A. You know, I think you can, I think maybe if you want to be nitpicky, you can say an A minus just because, like, you know, there was a few busts in coverage and they allowed some, you know, every once in a while. But anytime you hold a team off the scoreboard along with holding them zero for 10 on third down, it's really hard to give them anything other than an A. Right. And as we've talked about, Mitch, this is like a, a glorified exhibition. And, yeah. uh, you know, what you saw, I, I, I like to see some mistakes too, because that will give Halfley and his staff a chance to coach it mm-hmm. and fix things that he, he seems like he's very attention to detail. And I think that's something they're going to work on. Uh, now, Mitch will be back. We're going to talk with Mitch next week about UMass. I'm actually going to have him on tomorrow. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the other games that went on and Mitch and I had some discussions and I want to have him on again. So we'll see him again. Mitch, where can people find you on Twitter and other social media? 
You can find me at Mitchell T. Wolf, W-O-L-F-E on Twitter. Uh, I recently talked, I just talked about it earlier, but I recently published a YouTube film study with Mark Schofield of Touchdown Wire, where we broke down an entire game of Phil Jerkovich against Pittsburgh, which was really fun. And if, you know, if you're, if you're into like the NFL draft and learning about scouting players, I'd highly recommend you go watch that. It was a ton of fun just t- chopping up with Mark talking about Phil Jerkovich. Um, but yeah, just go check that out. Yeah, and um, I totally recommend that. It's up on our BC Bulletin YouTube, which um, I'm giving the keys to Mitch where he can play around with that all he wants. And so check that out. The link is on BC Bulletin. You can check that out. You can find me on Twitter at AJBlack underscore BC. On tomorrow's show, we're going to look at some of BC's future uh, opponents. We'll talk a little bit more about some of the stars of BC's game against Colgate, and we'll have everything else to talk about. So you want to check that out. This is AJ Black. Thank you all for listening. If you have not already subscribed, Wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, you can find us at Locked on BC. Thank you all, and we'll see you again soon.